Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Re-Educating Dad, the weekly cross-generational podcast. This is Big Tone, the Re-Educating Dad, and I'm joined again this week by my daughter, Little Tone, who came up with the name for this podcast because she thinks she's the one doing the re-educating. Well, dear listener, we'll let you be the judge of which is the re-educator and which is the re-educatee in this duo. How things in Hastings on the south coast of England, Little Tone? Very beautiful, very sunny and, yeah, lovely and green. Goody, goody. Goody, goody. And how's things going in your industry? Um, yeah, there's been a lot of concern about um, double, uh, sorry, vaccine passports becoming mandatory. Uh, so there's a lot of worry there. We don't think, well, it looks like that's the way the government wants to move. Uh, we don't really think that that's a very ethical choice, but we do understand why they want to do it. Yeah, it's a tough one, that one, it's, isn't it? It's tough. Yeah, it's really tough because it definitely excludes a group of people. And that I think that goes directly against the 2010 uh, Human Rights Act, hmm. I think. Don't know. Um, but yeah, but we can also understand why. So yeah, tricky. But that's a nice segue into our topic this week, which is also tough from a ethical and moral standpoint. Uh, it's really three, it has three elements to it, but I really think it ends up being much the same topic. So the, the uh, topic that I wanted to chat with you about this week is climate change, veganism and hypocrisy, climate change, veganism and, and hypocrisy. So, uh, you just to recap something that we we've, we've talked about veganism before on this podcast. Uh, our situation is that you know I've been vegan now for four years. You've been vegan for how long? I think I think seven years. Seven years. So obviously, you're a lot longer than me. You were the one. You were a strong influencer in changing my mind on this, but it took a long time. I was one of those people that was sort of very anti-vegan, you know, veganism and. Uh, he was an ass. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I do I put my hand up to that. Yeah, I kept, kept I kept talking to you about how I was going away and having a bacon sandwich and you know, <laughs> missing and all that sort of stuff. But my head is in a completely different place now on that. I've, I love being vegan. Um, I don't see any problem with the food. I think the food is terrific. I don't feel I'm missing anything. I don't need a bacon sandwich in any way you can get the taste. They, they make such fantastic vegan product products now. I think that, you, but in conversations I've had with you on this, I think you're less evangelical about veganism than I am. Um, and you've sort of given me the impression that you don't like to put people under pressure. I don't think I put people under pressure. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, not not pressure. I don't like the culture of shaming other people. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I don't. I actually just don't think it, it, it achieves the end goal that that I want. So. So you don't think it's effective in getting people to consider becoming vegan? I haven't found it effective in my experience trying to convert people. <laughs> right. Do you? Are you successful in in? getting people to change or not well you changed oh yeah good so i'd point. say that's pretty successful even one person becoming vegan has a massive impact yes good point good point On the amount, i think it's something it's something like 300 uh, lives of animals saved a year or something ridiculous like that by going vegan just one person yeah and obviously the effect on climate change is in <laughs> 
enormous. Enormous. I think I heard. Oh, your dog wants to eat you or something. Um, I think that I heard that uh, quite a small number of dairy farms um, put out, I think something like 50, put out more CO2 emissions than I don't know, France, Germany, or, or Britain, you know, uh, in other words, a whole country. So I don't know whether that's true. I think I read it in The Guardian, so it must be true. Uh, but... Um, the, the whole climate change thing, which, as we've said, does go hand in hand, and there's been a lot of these demonstrations um, in uh, London recently uh, disrupting traffic and so on. And this thing happened in our little village here in the Cotswolds recently. A few days ago, there was a sort of skirmish on Facebook uh, amongst the residents of our lovely little rural village. Uh, a friend and neighbor posted uh, her concern that somebody uh, nearby to her house was having a bonfire uh, close to her, and she thought it was a bit inconsiderate and not great for the environment either. And she was rather set upon by other posters who said that if she didn't eat meat, um, and if she, sorry, if she did eat meat, and if she uh, drove, um, and if she didn't drive an EV, an electric car, then she had no right to criticize others for being non-environmentally friendly. But most importantly, they said, um, having, a bonfire, having a bonfire next door, like eating meat, are legal activities. Uh, so essentially, like it or lump it, you know, it's legal, we can do it, you know, um, be less hypocritical, go and buy an EV, drive, drive an EV and uh, stop eating meat. And that sort of got me thinking about this subject of veganism, climate change, and hypocrisy. Um, and the sort of questions that came up in my mind, first of all, is if an action or activity is legal, does it make it okay? What do you mean? Well, the, the, the point that these posters were making, she was saying, look, you know, it's not very nice to start a bonfire and, uh, in the next door or close by to my house. It's going to affect me, it's, and it's not good for the environment. And the, the answer was, well, it's legal, which is true. So that got me thinking about whether if an action is legal, that's the end of it. You know, you should be quite you know, you should go and keep quiet and not say anything about it. And it made me think about issues like slavery. I mean, slavery was once legal. <clears throat> uh, subrogation, subrogation of women was once legal. Um, discrimination against gay people was once legal. Racism was once legal. You know, you could advertise that you didn't want black people as tenants in your flat. You didn't want Irish people or you didn't want, you know, this, that and the other. None, none of that anymore is legal. So that all of these activities were once legal activities. They are no longer legal activities. So that suggests to me that simply asserting that something is a legal activity makes it okay. Well, I mean... What is what is bad about having a bonfire? Other well, than the smell, 
it, it's obviously, and I mean, if it's if it's sending lots and lots of smoke into another neighbor's garden at an you know inconsiderate time, or you know even if well any time, I suppose, um, then that's that's affecting their enjoyment of of, the, of life of their property. Obviously, it's also putting um, emissions into the air. Uh, you know, in many parts of the, the country, you can't burn you can't burn stuff because it's a smoke-free zone for that reason. <clears throat> um, I'm not saying it's the greatest example in the world, the bonfire, but you can apply it to, for instance, eating animals. I don't think you can at all, personally. Um, I, I, we have this, we've had this conversation on my road because there's been lots of people whinging about people having barbecues and it's like, it's summer. And people are in their gardens more and people like to cook outside. And just because you don't like the smell of a barbecue doesn't mean you have the right to shame other people in the okay, street. Okay, so, so, so let's leave the barbecue and bonfire issue on one side. Why is it okay for people to eat animals? Um, well, I don't think it's so much a, a case of it being okay. I think that um, I've been learning a lot more about indigenous cultures and... Um, some indigenous cultures live in very, very barren lands and they have lived sustainably from animals for hundreds of years. Um, and they're not, they're not wasteful like uh, we are in Western culture. So they'll use every single part of the animal um, and they've done so respectfully. And um, like I said, used every piece of the animal and it's impossible for them to grow produce in some of the like, lands like Iceland um all right well let's let's so, take that group let's take that tiny group out of the, the group where it's essential to eat animals because they don't have an alternative let's just um okay well, uh there are also veganism isn't suitable for everyone because for health reasons why um because there are a lot of people um that have really bad issues with their immune system um and their they have diseases that are essentially attacking their body. And um, some of the most um, beneficial foods for people uh, that are that sick ha are animal products. For instance, it's very well known, even in vegan culture, that eggs are really important for healing tissue. So when you have tissue damage, um, and also uh, a lot of the time when there are issues with, um, you know, with um, deficiencies in iron and, uh, you know, problems with uh, um, organs, uh, they, it's advised to have bone broth. Um, and unfortunately, while there are vegan substitutes, they just don't pack the same punch as the animal products do. And I'm a, although I use the label vegan, I'm not vegan because I use uh, honey. Um, and actually, I will eat biodynamic eggs um, because I did a lot of research and eggs are so beneficial um, to recovery from surgery and stuff like that. And and I like fully agree, believe that they are. And I found that honey has been hugely beneficial to my body. The only thing that I, I try and do as a consumer is I try and buy those products from places where I feel confident that the animals aren't being abused or killed. 
So uh, if we take out the people, then I, I don't have any medical knowledge, so I'm not able to um, argue with you as to whether there are certain medical conditions that require animal products. Um, I have never heard that in, I've never heard that argued in, in the many debates that I have listened to on the subject, but I'm going to take it as read. I'm going to take it as read for the purposes of this discussion. If you take out all of the, if you take out that also very small number of people, that have um, a, some kind of, it, it's essential for them to eat animals. Okay, I can think why, of another group. Why, why, um, well, let's take out the exceptions and let's just talk about the general populace. Who okay, eat. all right. I can talk about another group that are much larger than that. Okay. Um, the, the group of um, people that rely on like food stamps and rely on, you know, um, government intervention basically to feed their family um, because they're often given tinned foods um, or stamps that only allow them to you know um, what's the word redeem it for products that have been um, approved by the government and that's a large group that's a large group of well people. I don't know how large that is but let's let, let's say um, let's say that that is the case that they can't they simply they have to for whatever reason because what you're really talking about is you are section you're sectioning off certain people that for some reason have to which would which to my mind comes into the same category as those people in parts of the world where they have you know they have to eat animals because they, they don't have any real choice let's take a let's just deal with the people that have a choice why is it the people jump online to condemn the Chinese for eating cute dogs and skinning them alive, but don't question why they're paying others to torture and kill animals just purely because they taste good? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a position of privilege. It's a position of selfishness um, and it, I actually, I still find it really shocking when I find out a friend of mine eats meat, um, because I'm just like you. You are you are in a position to 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 choose the alternative. I don't understand why that short term satisfaction is more important to you than the death of an animal. Sure, um, that that's how I feel. But I can't help remembering that I spent most of my life as somebody who did that and who did it unquestionably, unquestioningly, and would also criticize, not criticize you, but to take the mickey out of you um, when you were banging because on about veganism. But, the, but so there's something in, uh, there's some, there's some cognitive dissonance in the way we approach this subject, <laughs> it seems to me. It's not just this subject. It is the, it is an absolute problem with how we communicate with other human, human, human beings and in general because if you're shaming someone about veganism you're likely shaming them about lots and lots of different things if you're shaming other human beings in the first place you should really think about the way that you're communicating with other people because it's not it's not the way to get what you want and it's not a kind thing to do like I don't understand why people are still so unkind to each other um but I would say that the behavior is learned behavior, it's programmed behavior. And as we progress as a society, we have to unpick some of this programming and, and do some re-educating. 
Yeah, but um, I, I'm just interested in why you think it is that it's okay to teach child teach our children that it's perfectly all right for animals to be killed because they taste good. Why would I think that? Why Why would I think that that's okay? Well, you're talking about shaming, not shaming people, and that seems to me to be not as important as the as the core the core point that. No, the core point is education. Education is at the key to progress. And the way that we re-educate is, is we have to do research and teach ourselves. And, and I think that it, it just means people, you know, people in a position of power or in a position of privilege, bringing information to the table to be discussed amongst stakeholders. So in terms of, I mean, the biggest institutions we need to look at are our health institutions and our education institutions, and probably health, um, yeah, healthcare. So, so what we're feeding people in hospital because food needs to be viewed as medicine, definitely. Agreed. Uh, and and you know, if you look at the kind of food that we're feeding people when they're super sick and in hospital, it is not satisfactory. It's not helping anyone. It's disgusting. Um, they couldn't give me breakfast once at five a.m., so they gave me a baked potato with chili like some kind of vegan chili mm. uh, sorry i think it was 6 a.m well that's better than um, that's better than animal they chili <laughs> they could have given me a bloody apple and that would have been better um and you know we need to look at what we're feeding kids in school i mean there was that excellent documentary with jamie oliver uh who who was advocating for meat so i'm not, I'm not talking about that but he he made he tried to get a school in america to, to look at the amount of sugar and uh, palm oil and saturated fats they were putting into their into the children in a state in which there was an obesity problem so they were feeding kids like fried chicken milk um chocolate milk that had loads of sugar in it and um and other really nasty food um but you know if we could change the food that we're feeding children if we could change the food that we're feeding people in care homes and we could look at food as medicine um in uh, at the NHS, those would be those are huge institutions that are really stuck in their ways. And if we if we could change those, then I think that there would be a domino effect on society. Because the the, the problem is, is actually it's not really my generation; it's your generation. Because you're no, so used to I, you're, I, you're I, so used to eating that. In fact, to be, it's, I'm not saying it's anyone's fault. I'm just saying that it's been programmed. Even into my grandparents' generation, that milk, you know, is calcium. That meat is protein. That you know, eggs are what, whatever. You know, they're. Um, well, you're buying into the remember. egg argument. <clears throat> well, not I'm, excuse me. I'm not buying into it. I've had seven years worth of research on top of what you've had. So mm. I've done a lot of research into it, and I'm someone that's had to suffer with health issues, yeah. and unfortunately, I'm not getting the nutrients that I need from my vegan supplements. So I've had to. I've had to um, be more flexible with my morals, unfortunately. But, I've had to but, compromise. But talking about morals and not talking about the health aspect at all for a moment, why is it okay for our children to be taught that it's perfectly normal to support the torture and killing of animals because they taste good on an industrial scale? For the same reason that we're teaching our children about fire and brimstone and some people going to heaven and some people going to hell, it's manipulative. 
but but they, why would somebody be I mean, I can understand the religion. I understand because the religious connection you're making. Because of programming, because of programming, because but, because people have been programmed to think that those things are beneficial to our health. It's it's the thing is, Dad, is now you're on the other side of it. You surely can see how hard that deprogramming is. You were absolutely adamant that I was radical when I went vegan. You know, you. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering why that is. If you're now on the yeah. vegan side, yeah, but if you're now on the vegan side, then surely you can understand that that it's a process. It's quite a hard process to go through. It's not just the kind of like the the actual f physically um, removing the the food that you, you're used to eating because people are used to these diets. And I have to say, for, from my point of view, when I went vegetarian, because I went vegetarian before I went vegan for about six months. The first month was really rough for me. I, f I felt really unwell for a month. And I thought, God, I'm not sure if I can do this. Um, the, 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 the vegetarian to veganism is not so d difficult. But actually going from, I was brought up to eat quite meat-heavy meals. And, um, and I, that was just normal. And uh, actually when I went from that diet to a completely different diet, because I did it like a... Um, you know, a cold turkey. Sorry for the use of a bad term. Um, but, you know, like I went straight from that to vegetarianism and I, I, my digestive system went through hell and I was really low energy. I felt sluggish. I felt unwell for a month. And, and that's probably partly to do with my not understanding um, how to support my body properly. Like if, if you're deciding to go down the vegan route, you really need to make sure that your um, vitamin levels are uh, are right that you're eating the right foods that you're, you know you're eating whole foods not processed foods that you are supplementing where you need to it's very difficult for vegans to get omega-3 and b12 um so it's really important that you supplement those um well actually we don't get a lot of taurine in our diets as well yeah, I, I don't actually want to get bogged down in the weeds here because I, i've got contributes to a lot of that but um the i mean i found it really easy to become vegan um as you know i was pescatarian and then i did it for health yeah, but reasons you've got, money, you've got money on your side as well i'm sorry i'm not i'm not painting you as like a millionaire i'm just saying that you um you could choose to buy really good food oh definitely i mean i'm not it, it, i don't, and it don't has been a challenge you know there's there's yeah. been times when tom and i have had to decide to buy you know the the economy brand which is not really that good no, um, I, that, that's over true. the organic and um no, i think true. that that's definitely that's definitely like um but you know uh, i benefit from my privilege now that i have a good wage let's just kind of connect this with the climate change element of the uh, holy trinity that we've been talking about here the three things uh, veganism climate change and hypocrisy um what we do know is that that eating animals has an enormous effect on uh, climate change. Uh, we know that. Uh, we know that it's a morally question, very morally, morally um, problematic thing to be torturing non-human animals and killing them against their will. We know that. Uh, and we're only doing it in the vast majority of cases because it tastes good. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's a, so many problems about that. But also, it's bad for us as a species because it has the climate change, um, it, the climate 
uh, problem that we have to solve, and it would be a big part of solving that. But also we have the biggest worry amongst medical scientists, which is antibiotic resistance. When our antibiotics stop to work, we have a there's a very big question mark over we our did. continued existence, a very big question mark. And yet over 80% of antibiotics are, are given to animals so that they can be eaten um, in a safe, you know, hygienic way. Uh, and so that's the biggest propellant towards making antibiotics become as they will it seems certainly become um, ineffective. <clears throat> so there's that. We also know, and we've just been through a global pandemic, that factory farming uh, it, and mistreatment of non-human animals is certainly going to cause future pandemic pandemics which are, are, you know, are likely to become more and more dangerous for us. So if you put all of those cocktails together, I, I can't understand why we have this continued cognitive dissonance and why we're not getting to grips to this when get getting to grips with this, when really it's a quite an easy step for us to take when you consider all the other options for um, alleviating the, the, the climate emergency that we apparently are in, although you wouldn't think so if you look at the way governments and actually people behave, I don't understand why this is. We don't see the the sense in 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 dealing with this. But also, and what I want to also talk to you about is so many of these climate change activists that disrupt uh, London, uh, disrupt other people's lives, do so while still eating meat, do so while still driving diesel burning cars. Um, and going to McDonald's, you know, so I'm not sure you've got that, that you can, uh... you've got that hypocrisy. Let me just, let me just, uh, sort of bring this all together and then I'll let you have as much say as you want on it. And then you've got, um, celebrities flying on their private jets in order to lecture to other people, um, about what the way they should behave, change their behavior. And we've also got political summits, global political summits, where everybody's flying in on private jets. You know, it beggars belief, really, that that's why I attach hypocrisy to these other two elements of what we're talking about. Now, you go. Um, I think it's really difficult for you to... Um compare some of these things to others you know like I, I don't think that you can everyone's can only do what they can do and you know I think that um, physical protesting has its place and I don't think that we should shame those that physically protest for using diesel cars because it might not be affordable for them to have an electric car you know and, and you know but I'd how love can to you but sorry to interrupt but how how can you how can you tell people that they need to be doing something differently when they themselves are not making, you know, the most obvious changes to the way but, they behave? But it's not, it's not physically possible for everyone to do everything. It isn't physically possible for me as, a, as an activist to drive an electric car. 
You know that. You know the cost of an electric car. I can't afford to buy one. I can't afford to get one on finance. But I can afford to go and protest. I can afford to be vegan. I can afford to to eat um, organically. I can afford to recycle. I can afford to not take uh, planes all around the world, you know, to travel um, via plane. But there's no point pointing out hypocrisy, you, you know, because all of these things, they add up. They all equate to... Um, positive change and you know would well, you if, rather that not, person did nothing not if they're is detracting it, from the message if if, if um, Megan and Harry are flying around and you know burning lots of fossil fuel and at the same time telling people that they have to change their behavior while they're not changing theirs that surely is counterproductive they are part of a huge systemic system you know and they have a lot of deep programming to do themselves and this mother Teresa image that everyone's creating of the perfect activist doesn't exist no one is perfect there is there is no including mother Teresa actually (laughs) yeah well exactly and I mean like Um, I I love um I I love that guy I forgot his first name but Mumbaio what's his name oh George George is that his name yeah I think he's brilliant I'm sure he's not perfect you know, we can all only do what we can do. It's it's up to us to set our boundaries. And, you know, it's very easy for me. Sorry, it's very, it's been very hard for me to admit to other vegans that I've made the choice for my health to eat biodynamic eggs and honey. But it's up to me to set my own boundaries and be okay with that. And if my, if my fellow friends are going to shame me because of that, regardless of all the other positive things I'm doing in my life, you know, it's not furthering their cause. We don't, we don't progress by creating more divide or more hate. That's just my opinion. Yeah, nicely done. That's a good way to end because uh, we are at our 30 minutes. I probably said quite a few things that are going to anger quite a few of our listeners. Uh, but, you know, that's the beauty of these things. None of this is scripted. We do, you know, whatever happens during an episode happens. This is like a discussion around, a, as I've likened it to before like around the family dinner table uh, not everything is perfectly thought out we're just really sort of uh, uh and we're learning. vocalizing we're both learning yeah we're, we're learning in the process and we learn from you as well our listeners so do let us have your views and uh if you have any comments or you know if there are any questions you want to ask that you would like us to answer on on the show or anything that we've said that you disagree with any comments that you've got that you'd like us to address, please do reach out, you know, go to our Facebook page for the podcast, Reeducating Dad on Facebook. Uh, you can use the little gizmo on the Anchor podcast platform by Spotify, um, where you can actually send a voice message to us and we can even feature your voice um, in one of our, in an upcoming uh, podcast. So there's all that good stuff. And we'd love to hear your views. Thank you very much for listening, and we will look forward to um, seeing you next week. You can, I say see, because you can actually see us recording these episodes uh, on our YouTube channel, and some days after publicizing the audio version, we do always publicize the um, YouTube version so you can see us as well, uh, if that floats your boat. So thank you very much, and uh, for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, little Tone. Bye.